Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Do you want to quit your day job and take your passion for creating wedding films full-time, creating art that you're proud of with couples you love? Immerse is a wedding filmmaking retreat that will equip you to take your films and your business to the next level as three wedding filmmakers teach you how they have built lives for themselves that allow them to work with their dream couples and travel the world. Visit ImmerseRetreat.com for dates and locations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. It is lightning round time. I posted a little request just the other day asking for your questions. We've never done something quite like this before, so I thought it'd be kind of fun just to take random listener questions this week. And so we have a host of questions here, and with us to ask the questions is our lovely producer, Taylor Freaking Juarez. Hey, guys. Taylor, thanks for joining us. You get to edit yourself this week. How wonderful is that? It's very meta. Very meta, I guess. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, I think, uh, Taylor, maybe just first, before we start the lightning round, you've had some exciting stuff going on in your life lately. You just made a freaking movie. Tell me about this. So I've been working for my friends who own a production company that they started here in Austin for a couple of years now. And I previously had made a web series with them, which was really fun. And it was a great learning experience for all of us. And one of my friends had just written his first feature film, one of the two of them. And so we just spent the last three weeks shooting that feature. And it was quite the wild ride. But I am so excited for this story and the amazing casting crew I got to work with. And I'm just really excited to see the film be edited and the festival run we're going to go on. So I'm super pumped about that project. Awesome. Pretty cool. I was excited for you, but it was a major bummer having you work from a distance rather than at the studio. So frankly, I'm glad that's over with and we can move on with life. Yes. Well, um, how about kick us off? What's our first question? So the first question is from Antoine from Indianapolis. How do I make one trillion dollar? One trillion dollar. Great question, Antoine. I guess there's two primary ways that you can do this. One is if you create an epic volume brand. Just kidding. I haven't made anywhere close to that. But the second way is if you did some identity theft and traded places with Ray Roman, then you could also make a trillion dollar. So that's probably the best route, Antoine. Do some identity theft and steal Ray Roman's identity. Next question. Next question from Nick from Austin. How much do I charge for my very first wedding? Hmm, man, this is always a question everybody wants to know. And I think, especially, obviously, um, you know, for anybody who's getting started, we've all been there. Anybody who's, who's been doing weddings for a while, we've all been there. And it's 
I ask, uh, I've heard a number of people um, answer this question in various ways. I'll tell you the way I did it. So I had started out as a wedding photographer and I had worked at a bunch of venues before and I had one relationship with a venue owner that was really good. And I thought, hey, let me go to her and ask, do you have any weddings coming up in the next month that I could film? And I would only charge them if they looked at the product afterwards and they really liked it. So it's just kind of a no risk situation for them. They can either not have it and it didn't cost them anything. Or if they really liked it, they could give me 500 bucks. And so that's what I did on my first one. Um, and my second one was actually just a friend of mine. It was actually a guy who worked for me and I gave it to him as a wedding gift. The third one is when I started charging for it. Uh, and I think I made $1,600 off of the third one because at that point I had two weddings that I could show off. Um, and to be honest, I was actually only showing one of them off because the first one was terrible. <laughs> it was really bad. And that yes, one that you've hidden that no one will ever see. Yeah. And I, it's, uh, it's got a thousand years on it. You know, I mean, it was, it was bad. So yes, uh, that was the first one. And anyway, so that's what I've done. I've heard other people who said either, you know, yeah, we did it for free just so we could build a portfolio or, we went on Craigslist and said, we'll do it for 500 bucks or whatever the number is. But I think part of it is going to depend on just kind of your experience, your place in life. But we have to all start somewhere. You have to build a profile, um, a portfolio somehow. And so I think one of the ways to do that is to look for people who would maybe otherwise not have a wedding film made and go practice on them because they're not going to have a wedding video made anyways. They might as well kick you a couple hundred bucks, a few hundred bucks to give it a shot and see what you can do. So if you're just getting started, you know, either do one for free for a friend or maybe look for someone on Craigslist who's going to have somebody with no experience anyways do it and see if you can get a few hundred bucks out of it um, just so you can get one started. That'd, that'd be my recommendation. Because there's going to be so many people out there who aren't going to have a wedding video made anyways. You might as well make them a crappy one. Or hopefully not. Hopefully it's a decent one. <laughs> but it's going to be your first one. So it's probably not going to be great. And that's okay. That's how we learn. So yeah, go get started. Practice on some Craigslist people. <laughs> All right. Question number three. How do I find that studio manager who is passionate and hungry? Asked by Chris from Austin. Mm, another Austin night. We had a few Austin nights on the list. Thanks for the question, Chris. And we did have a whole episode all talking about like kind of how do we know when it's time to hire a studio manager and also talking about sort of the roles of, you know, that you've played in our business, Taylor. And so, um, so Chris, I would definitely recommend go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already, although I think you have, cause I think we talked about it. Um, but the way that I found Taylor was actually through Craigslist or Craigslist ad, ad that we did looking for shooters. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the ways that I would recommend is first, like look into your own network, you know, who are, uh, you know, young people who are hungry and well organized and energetic and have great ideas. Um, but are looking for a job in a creative field. I think, 
maybe you have someone like that in your own network. If not, do post some advertisements, uh, whether it's, you know, you go to, um, you know, a college campus nearby and look for someone there or whether you put an ad out on Indeed or Craigslist or somewhere like that where people go to look for jobs, then, you know, maybe something like that. Taylor, do you have any ideas? Well, in my case, I mean, my case was unique, but since you were hiring shooters and I was already part of the company, I mean, I'm the one that basically created my job over time because I convinced you that I could do other things for your company. But I think it's a unique place where I am because not only do I just work in the office, but I also shoot weddings. So I'm able to be on both sides of it. And I think that they play into each other. And I'm a better studio manager because I also work the weddings and I can meet some of the clients and kind of have that overall experience. So if you have multiple shooters already working for you, maybe see if any of them are interested in more work opportunities or like, hey, they shoot on the weekends and that's great, but what if they want to have something more full-time but with one company, which is where I was at, I was like, shooting on the weekends is great, but I'm looking for, you know, something that can be totally full-time. It'd be great if it could be all within the same company. So I would say look within your company if you already have other people working for you, if any of them are interested. And if not, then maybe even shoot out a message into some of the groups that we've got on Facebook and just see the kind of people that are on there if anybody is interested in that type of work. Yeah, I think that's good. I would add to that is that you're kind of rare in that you're both talented as a creative and well-organized, which is like, my guess is that's a pretty kind of a, a rare combination. Normally, creatives aren't so good at the organizational piece, but there are people out there like that. So yeah, you might have somebody who second shoots for you that would be interested in that, whether or not that person is like also good at administrative work or could be like good, an organized person um, would be another question to definitely make sure that they meet that qualification, not just that they shoot for you and that they're interested because, you know, we have some shooters who shoot for us that I would not want to be running, uh, you know, having client communication, all that kind of stuff under their belt because they're kind of, you know, they lean more towards that artistic side and, and don't necessarily have the organizational piece. And so we can give them other roles that kind of fit their gifting better, but really looking for somebody who has that gifting and administrative uh, tasks, who is organized, but also personable. You know, you want to make sure that you have somebody who is putting on that great face to your clients, who's, you know, peppy on the phone and and that comes through in the voice in the the emails as well and in the if they're going to be meeting clients in person ever you know we just had a meeting here at the office yesterday with a bride and her mom and you and I both sat in on that meeting and so you know having you as someone who's good in those situations as well is helpful if that's the kind of thing that you might want your studio manager doing so i would say like come up with a list of all the things that you want that person to be doing basically a job description for that person and then seek somebody whose gifts fill that role. Um, So again, there are some great resources, whether it's some of the online resources um, or even in person. Um, Some of the colleges maybe even have job forums and things like that 
where you could find a young person who's kind of looking to get into this creative field, but has some of these administrative gifts. I think there's a host of resources, especially Chris, you live in Austin. So there's a plethora of people that kind of fit that category. So yeah. Next question. Awesome. All right. This one comes from Brandon from Nashville. Why even get into wedding filmmaking? Isn't the market way too crowded? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question, I think. I hear that a lot. And as someone who started out in photography and then moved into video, I would say like comparatively to photography, it is not even close to oversaturated, right? There's just way more photographers, wedding photographers, than there are wedding filmmakers. And so, you know, if you compare the two, then way less saturated. Although, I guess you have to factor in the fact that not everybody has a wedding videographer at their wedding, but pretty much everybody's got a photographer at their wedding. So, you know, maybe it balances itself out. Although I think we're definitely seeing that there's a growing trend where more and more people are having a wedding videographer, where it's definitely becoming more rare that you don't see one at a wedding. Uh, that's what I hear when I talk to some of my planner friends and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, but there is, there is certainly some saturation. Um, I think when you just, I guess, what was the question exactly? It was, uh, why even get started? So if you're in that place where you're just kind of getting started and trying to figure that this, this whole thing out, the reason to get started is because you love filmmaking is because you want that creative outlet. It's because you're passionate about making films and maybe even you're passionate about making wedding films. Wedding films are amazing. I mean, we get this opportunity where we're thrown into the situation where there is a great story to be had there. There's already the story that has been fully developed for us about this couple and these two families coming together and We have people who are in a situation where they're looking the best they've ever looked in their life and they're wearing, you know, they've got, uh, you know, spectacular clothes on and they've decked this, this venue out to the T's. And so I think like we're put in this awesome situation to be able to make really incredible films because all this stuff has already been set up for us and we just kind of have to go in there and document that and then figure out how we're going to craft a story later. So like, it's a really cool field to be in. And so that's why you would want to get involved in this field is because it's, it's awesome. (laughs) And while it may be saturated, depending on your market and that kind of thing, of course, too, um, who's to say you can't rise above and, and become the cream of the crop. You know, and so I think if you're if you're passionate about this, if you're excited about this, and you want to put in the work that goes into making awesome films and running a successful business, you can make a great career and a great living off of this, as well as feed that um, you know feed that creative side in you that just needs to be fed. So, man, just go after it. I I as someone who like is running my own business and is in a market that has a ton of wedding videographers here in Austin. I still encourage other people, Hey, get into it, man. It's awesome. I'm not worried about the competition because we're doing everything we can to stand out, uh, among the crowd, but also because 
there's tons of weddings to be had here. And, you know, there's plenty of, most people aren't going to do more than, you know, 20 to 30 weddings in a year. There's plenty of weddings for them to come and take another 20 or 30 out of the market. That's fine. Join us, come to Austin. We'll, uh, we'll duke it out together and it'll be awesome. So yes, make, uh, make more wedding films, go full time, all that. Do it. Definitely. All right. Next question from Anthony from Pasadena, Maryland. Do you think paid profiles on The Knot and Wedding Wire are worth it? I generate a fair amount of inquiries from these sites, but I'm wondering if I'm wasting money to be a sponsored vendor. Great question. Another question that I feel like comes up in the forums all the time. So in your case, Anthony, you have done both Wedding Wire and The Knot. I've also been in both worlds at different times. Um, So I would say if you want to figure out if it's worth it to you, go and dig through the weddings that you've actually booked and figure out which ones came to you from the wedding wire and from the knot and do the math yourself. See if it was worth it. Um, I would also say, let's say, you know, a lot of people when they're asking like, is marketing in different areas worth it? A lot of people I hear talk about it in terms of like, did I break even? I think that's a really bad metric. You know, if I spent $3,000 for the knot, did I break even? Did I book $3,000 worth of jobs? And if so, then okay. That's a terrible metric because all that means is that you worked just to be able to be on this website. Like you got no gain from it. So definitely don't use that as your metric. Um, but look at it and figure out, did you make a good healthy profit from it? Also, I think one of the important ways to measure this is to say, how much did I pay for this marketing and how many weddings did I book from it and, uh, you know, divide it. So basically figure out what your cost of client acquisition was. Um, you may have other costs, you know, if you have a studio manager who's running things for you and those kind of things, um, if you have a client management software that is helping you to market to those clients on an ongoing basis, you have other costs associated with it. But figure out basically, you know, if you spent $3,000 on the knot and you got 10 clients from it, then you had a client acquisition cost of $300 per wedding that came from the knot. And so then you have to decide if that's good for you or not. Um, maybe that's a great number for you and you're happy with that and you're booking enough on that job to still make plenty of profit on that. And if so, keep going for it. If not, if you feel like that number is not acceptable, then maybe pursue some other opportunities. Maybe dig into how can I advertise on Facebook? How can I advertise on Google? Um, maybe I should spend that money on bridal shows Uh, you know, and each of these things are going to be different for different people, but I think that's the main question to answer is what is my cost per acquisition of client? That's really the only way to tell if it's worth it or not. Now, if you're somebody who's, is not currently paying for wedding wire or the knot, well, let me classify this first. Everybody should be on the wedding wire and on the knot. Because it's free to be on there. But the free profile is probably not going to get you much. But you might as well be on there because it's free. So it just takes, you know, 
half an hour of your time to be on there. So you might as well sign up for the free account. Can't hurt with SEO and whatnot. And it's not a bad place to store some uh, client reviews and that kind of thing either. But if you're going to go for a paid spot, it's really just going to depend on your market. For us in Austin, in the wedding videographer side, we've played with both and we've been in the very top spot, like the spotlight ad where we're always on either the top row or the second to top row. And we found that in our market, wedding wire is just not that good. Um, and so we actually just dropped them this year. And the knot is fantastic for us. The other question is like, what price point are you at? Because the knot was fantastic for my volume studio and not so great for my boutique studio. So it happens to be the case that in Austin, Texas, the majority of brides who are going to be looking for our services coming through the knot are going to be looking on the lower to mid range uh, wedding video budgets. Now that may be completely different in your city. Maybe in your city, wedding wire is super popular and it's super popular for high end brides. I kind of doubt it, but it's possible. So, um, you know, as much as possible, we want to try to get as much information out of those companies as we can. So typically they're going to give you a media sheet that's going to tell you lots of information about the number of brides who are coming to their site, the number who are coming onto the video page. They might be able to tell you what other uh, video companies in that city are getting in terms of traffic to their page and traffic to their website from the page or inquiries direct from, um, you know, from their page on the knot. They also should be able to give you information about um, the total budget, overall budgets from these brides. And so like look and take all these things into consideration and decide if you want to give it a shot. And, you know, from there, like after you've done it for a year and you do have to commit to a full year, they're not going to let you do a month to month basis, uh, no matter how much you beg them. So, um, but you know, do it for a year and then go back and assess things. That's what we did with wedding wire. We assess things, um, once our contract was up with them and decided our money could be spent better in other ways. And so we're going to reallocate that money to be spent on other things. They're going to help us get brides because our cost per client acquisition was too high on wedding wire. Um, and so we're going to continue to invest in the knot because we get great results there, but we're dumping wedding wire. But again, it could be completely different in your city. I hear so many people saying just the opposite that the knot is worthless to them and wedding wire is fantastic or tons of people saying both were worthless. So it's just random. There's not a one size fits all answer to that question, but it is a great one. I think it's an important one because brides are going to those locations. You just got to find out if it's your bride or not. Um, so yeah, long answer to a short question, but it's, it's a good question. Well, I'm a firm believer in the knot, especially for our volume brand. I mean, just today alone, we got five leads from the knot. And a lot of those leads that I respond to will respond back within even the same day and be like, oh, awesome. Like, glad to hear you're available. Let's talk more. So the knot has definitely been 
an amazing resource um, that I've gotten to use in my studio manager role for our company. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again? And have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 Hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? Before I got 17 Hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized from my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 Hats just $300 a year and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. Okay, next question. Another Austinite. Kevin asks, what is your opinion on branding using your name versus using a company name? And how does this affect client perception? That's a really good question. And I think one I can speak to well, because I have both of these type of companies. Um, In fact, we're launching a third company in the video space right now. So if you're a longtime listener, you already know this. But for those of you who are new, I own Jordan Bunch Productions, which is a um, high-end boutique wedding, uh, primarily wedding brand um, that does both photo and video. We have Ladybird Studios that does uh, both photo and video, and our goal is high volume. So our price, um, we have prices ranging from kind of low to, to the mid-range market for a wedding video. Um, I think we're averaging around 23, 2400. Um, with like basically nobody books below 2000, um, and a little bit higher on the photo side. And then I'm starting another corporate brand called film Mavericks. So again, nothing with my name in it. Um, but I think there's, there's a lot of reasons why you would do one or the other. Um, so if you are trying to create a company that is exclusively you and you believe will be exclusively you or you and a second shooter indefinitely, then by all means, just give it your name. I think there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that was the choice I made. Um, I also did not anticipate 
doing what I'm doing today. And so that was the reason why I created these other brands is because there came a point in time in my life where I realized I wanted to grow something beyond myself. And there was a ton of reasons why we created Ladybird Studios, but uh, a big part of that reason was A, filling a hole in the market that we saw for quality wedding films at a more affordable price point, and B, for uh, helping out young aspiring filmmakers who wanted to get started in this industry, but as you all know, there's huge barriers to getting started. And so like you might have to go for three or four years before you're shooting more than three to 10 weddings in a year otherwise. And that's going to take a long time to get any good at it. So we've been able to create an outlet for that. And also I just, I love being in that uh, teaching coaching relationship with, with these people. And so I love that aspect of it. Um, But also I saw an opportunity to, um, to be able to create income in a situation where, you know, I got, I got sick. I, you know, I had some sort of injury, um, and I could continue to provide for my family, uh, apart from my own fragile human body. And so, you know, that was a big part of the reason why we created a brand that was bigger than myself. So there's pluses and minuses to all of these things. Uh, I will say if you're going to create a brand with your own name on it, clients are going to expect that you're the one who shows up. Um, So for me, if a client hires Jordan March Productions and I send my crew rather than me, they are probably going to be disappointed. Even if I had a crew that was better than me, even if they were all more talented than I was, they were better shooters or whatever the case is, they're still going to be disappointed because Jordan Bunch didn't show up to do this job. So I think that if there's a possibility that you're going to be in situations where you want to send other shooters out, I think it's worth considering coming up with a different name beyond just your own. Um, I know a number of people who've created brands with their own name who've gone back and changed it later. Uh, That's difficult to do a rebrand. But there's also wildly successful studios who base their company around their name. Uh, One of my my good friends, uh, Jonathan, uh, he has a a company, Jonathan and Kay, him and his wife. Uh, Of course, you you all know Ray Roman, who's been on here on the podcast before. Uh, Rob Adams Films. Uh, A lot of these people who produce amazing work and have very successful businesses that run under their own name. So um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but it's certainly worth considering if you plan to go beyond yourself. Now, I will say there are also studios who have been able to figure out kind of a route where they still have their name on the company, but they have associate shooters. And so people can hire their company at a little bit lower price point and get an associate shooter who's been trained up by the person whose name is on the company um, to go shoot for them as well. So there's, there's always exceptions to every rule. Uh, It's really a very personal decision that I wouldn't give you like a yes, do this or do this answer. Just like I hardly do it all on this podcast. 
Um, I'm very much like of the belief that you should do what works for you and not try to fit into anybody's square hole if you're a round peg. So, uh, yeah, do what works for you, but that's kind of my general advice around the whole topic. So, next question. All righty. This one is from Morgan from Fort Worth. How do you know when you're ready to go full-time wedding filmmaker? Good question. Lots of Texans today. Texas representing. I'm wearing my Texas hat, by the way, on this audio show. I thought you should know that. Um how do you know when you should go full-time? This is another like super personal question that has so many layers to it and really makes a massive difference like where you are in life. Like what's your situation in life? Is it just you? Are you only financially responsible for yourself? Uh, Do you have a family? Uh, do you have a wife who relies on your income? Do you have kids? Do do you live in a situation where you know you're you're completely single and you're living with your parents and not paying rent? Uh, there's there's so many factors that go into this. You've got to make a, a decision that makes sense for for you as an individual um, in your specific situation and what your financial situation looks like how, uh, how risk averse you are, you know, do you feel like you have, um, a high tolerance for risk? Do you feel like you can be organized enough with your finances so that when January, February rolls around and you've got deposits rolling in, you can, you know, not live extravagantly so that you're saving money for the slower months. Uh, when you're not booking weddings or when it's, when it's the slow season. Uh, and of course it's, I say January and February, it's different for everybody in every market. You know, we live in a, in a market where there's kind of weddings year round. For some of you, you live in a place where there's no weddings at all during the winter months. Are you responsible enough to be able to save money so that you're good through the whole winter? Um, there's, there's so many factors that come into it. I would also say just like I'll tell you my story on this and then give some more general advice. Um, so I moved, I was, I was working for a university. I was a dorm director. <laughs> I was that guy. Um, and we moved to Austin five years ago and we moved to Austin and it was October of 2013. I think that's right. I, yeah, maybe I'm getting the years mixed up. Anyways, um, we moved here at the end of October, and I was my plan was just to kind of push into this this field and basically start over from scratch because I had no clients or or very few contacts here because I was moving um, a distance of four hours drive, so I didn't know many people, and. I found out a week later that we were pregnant and we were going to have our first child. And so it was like, all right, let's make this happen. Time to hustle. So I like did all the bridal shows and, and put myself on the knot and wedding wire and like just got myself out there as much as possible. Started doing networking, going to meet vendors, meeting planners and venues and all this just to like, cause I was like, I have to make this work. Um, 
that was kind of a unique situation where thankfully, uh, you know, we had my wife's income. And so that gave us some buffer to be able to, you know, gave me a few months before I had to kind of get things going so that, you know, our hope was that she could stay home uh, and, you know, stay with the kids full time and be full time mama. But that wasn't going to happen unless I really hustled to make things happen. So that was kind of my story in going full time. You know, I would guess that a lot of people are going to be working full-time jobs and sort of making this transition where they're doing wedding filmmaking part-time on the side. If that's you, here's what I would say. Um, you know, continue as you're, as you're working your job, continue making sure that you have some really nice savings into place. Put as much away as you can into two things, paying off debt and putting a lot into savings. Um, if you can do those things and you can, especially if you can get yourself completely out of debt before you start this, boy, that would be fantastic. Um, if you have student loans and some of those other things, but if you can have a little bit of a savings nest egg, then you can get to the point where a lot of people I hear, they're kind of at a place where their income from wedding films is equal to, or similar to their income from their day job. If you get to a spot like that, I think that's a pretty great place to say, okay, I can quit the day job and really focus my energy because now I realize I have an extra 40 hours a week or whatever the case is that I can dedicate to making this thing really work. And this is what I'm passionate and what I love doing. And the day job was just kind of keeping us afloat. Now it's time to go at this full time and I can give my full energy and attention to this. Um, So there's, again, there's so many different ways to do this in different variables of your life situation. Um, you know, again, if you're, if you're really young and you're still living with parents, like shoot, just go with this full time now, like just make it happen, you know? Um, but if you're in a situation where you're responsible for other people and that kind of thing, obviously you have to kind of, um, weigh those decisions with other things. But uh, man, am I glad that we dove in head first when we moved here in Austin because I can't imagine working for somebody else right now. Um, I can't imagine not getting to be in this creative field. I love what we get to do here. I love our team and what we're able to accomplish and the, you know, the amazing gift that we're able to give to our clients and the financial rewards that come from that. So it's it's an awesome career if you know if you can stay focused and realize you're not just a filmmaker, you're a business owner as well. So yeah. That's what I got. I would agree with that. I think so much of it, like yes, have the creative skills to make the films, but so much of it is networking literally just knowing people and people knowing your name having your information or getting to work with those people and then you kind of have a relationship from those experiences is just so important because those people are going to send you emails they're going to send you clients and say oh hey i've got this great couple i think you'd be great for them and their wedding and that really goes a long way when you're trying to start a business. So don't be afraid to just throw yourself out there, introduce yourself to as many people as possible and just meet people. Yeah, good point. And I guess 
there's all kinds of ways of networking, whether it's, you know, events they have in the evening, whether it's just being very social when you're at a wedding, um, whether it's, you know, email, social media, that kind of thing. But also one of the ways I love networking is connecting with other, uh, other vendors over lunch and things like that. And so if you have a job where you can be taking an extended lunch break, then take advantage of those kind of things while you're still working that job. Um, to be able to kind of have a great network for whenever you do make the decision to go full time. So, all right. And our final question is from Michael from, Ooh, I don't even know how to say this. Milgeville, <laughs> Georgia. What would you say and leave with venues you go to do a personal visit with? That is another good question. We, Taylor especially has been doing a ton of work lately to try to get us on preferred vendors list with great success, I might add, which earned her a trip to Vegas. Woo-woo. Yeah. Um, so she's um, – Taylor, why don't you talk a little bit about kind of like what your process has been like because it's obviously different for photographers and video. I'll come back and answer the question as well. But Taylor, why don't you give a – a little synopsis of kind of what you've been up to in vendor relationships with venues. I haven't done any personal visits where I'm like going to the venue during the week just for that purpose. In my case, having with us already having a lot of weddings under our belt, what I do after every wedding film is completed is I send our wedding films to the team of vendors from that day. So that is step one all the vendors from that wedding are going to get the video, including the planner and the the venue, which I think are the two most important ones, and also the photographer if you're just doing video and there was another photographer. And from that, I've gotten quite a few venues that will respond to that email and say, oh, wow, like they weren't expecting to get the video. Not everybody takes the time to send out the films to the other vendors. It's I would say it's above and beyond, but it's worth it because that's how you keep relationships with vendors, especially when you start working with some of the same ones over and over and you've been to a venue several times, That then that's when it's definitely time to start talking about that preferred vendor list. So what I discovered when I first started emailing people is a lot of venues will tell you, we just ask that you've worked at our venue you know, a couple of times and we've seen your work and then we go from there. So there were some venues that we'd either been to once or we hadn't been to yet that I just tucked that away and I said, okay, going to put that one on hold until we've worked at that venue a couple of more times. So then once we had, over the course of like a year, I can really look at, okay, what venues have we shot out the most? There's a couple of venues that we've shot out five, ten times. And those are the ones that I can say, okay, definitely have to be on these people's lists because we're there a lot. Um, one of the ones that just comes to mind automatically here in Austin is Canyonwood Ridge. We They just opened in April of 2016, and we shot there for the first time in the fall of 2016. And then over the course of 2017, have shot there I probably over 10 times. And every time we finish one of those films, I send it to them. And it took some persistence and I, I emailed them several times and just you know kind of kept the communication open and finally got an email back saying oh of course like we've seen all your work they had even put a couple of our videos on their website 
and now we're on their preferred vendor list, which they actually feature on their website. Not all venues will do that. Some venues just have a list that they keep in their office and will give to brides when they come. But I think that one in particular is super beneficial because it's on the website. Brides can just find it on their own. And I've already gotten several emails since then from brides saying, hey, found you on the preferred vendor list on their website. Would love for you to do our photo or video. So definitely don't be afraid to email venues and don't be afraid to email them more than once because sometimes it'll take a couple emails over the course of a few months and they're finally like, oh yeah, definitely. Like they just, you know, you have to remind people things sometimes. And as you start to work at a certain venue more than once, you know, who can you talk to when you're there working a wedding? Is there a planner that's connected to that venue? Is the owner on site? Just kind of like always be aware of who you're talking to and keeping the communication open because it has been a huge benefit for us to be on certain lists. And then I've just in the last few months of being on certain lists have seen the results coming in from people that are like, oh yeah, I'm, I was referred by this venue because you're on their list. So it's, it's a super rewarding thing when you start seeing those leads come in. Yeah, for sure. And like with them, we've definitely seen like a growth in leads since we've been on their vendor list, but we were already seeing a lot of leads come from them just by virtue of them hosting their videos on our site, even before we were technically on their vendor list because people went to their site. They looked at the videos that were there that we had posted or that they had posted from ours and you know, they found us that way. And so there's a lot of venues who would love to have your content and don't, you know, they don't have any videos or they have very few videos of weddings at their venue. And so like, even if you're not on a vendor list, if you can get them to share on their social media, uh, your video, if you can get them to share on their website, especially, then that's going to be a huge deal for you, even if you're not on their preferred vendor list. Um, I will say the other thing that I have a lot of vendors and planners ask me for on a regular basis is for updated pricing. Um, you know, a lot of them I've sent the pricing to before, but they'll want an updated one or just to make sure they have it current. And so like, you know, just if you have that kind of relation, don't, don't like send your your pricing to random venues or something but like if you have that relationship where you feel good about it and you feel like that's something that would be helpful to them or maybe you ask if that's something that they want um, then that can be like a helpful leave behind because a lot of times at the venue there'll be like a office or a living room type situation where they meet with clients and they've got tons of literature from different companies and so if they have that info there then you sort of, even without asking to be on the preferred vendor list, you've got your stuff there. And so you're sort of on the list without even having had made that request. Um, and so that's kind of a, you know, an interesting way to do it as well. Uh, so I want to do a pick of the week. So I'm going to go first. Um, we haven't done a pick of the week in a while, but I have been collecting, hoarding this thing for the last couple of weeks. 
It is the Pelican 1510 rolling case. You just stole my pick of the oh, week, really? Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've bought four of them now. Um, and I'm like, dang, do I really? I think I kind of want another one. <laughs> but yeah, um, so my pick of the week is the Pelican 1510. You got to think of something else. Sucka. Um, but it's pretty awesome case. It's like just the right size. You can go fly with it and take it in the overhead bin with you. It's Pelican, so it's bulletproof, you know, that thing. You could submerge it in water and it would be completely fine. It's pretty epic. Although don't do it because, yeah, I don't want to be held liable to that. But anyways, like those cases are incredible. And that's where we're kind of moving all of our gear into right now because we've had a number of different options that kind of had us carrying just like way too many different bags and stuff. And so I'm giving a nice gift to all of our shooters in having fewer bags that they have to carry around and it has wheels <laughs> so uh, actually i've uh h had a really cool deal on them a while back so every once in a while you can find a great sale on them you can also sometimes find them used i found one i just picked one up for 100 bucks the other day that was just man that was a killer deal so you might have a hard time finding it for 100 bucks but The cool thing about Pelicans is because they're bulletproof, you can buy one that's used and it's still going to be just fine. It's got scratches on it and all that kind of stuff, but it works. So that is my pick of the week. What do you got, Taylor? To add on to that, since it's also my pick of the week, I'll (laughs) come up with another one. But I just reorganized all of our gear into one of them this morning. Uh, The one that you bought that already had some dividers in it, which worked perfectly. The kind that you can kind of switch around the sections, it's got Velcro. And I was able to fit all three of our cameras, all the lenses, all of the audio gear, and two of our photodeox lights in one case, which is awesome. And I'm super excited to work our wedding this weekend with that new case. It's just going to be so much easier to tote around the gear and keep everything really organized. I was surprised how much i could fit and how good it was what are you doing sorry i'm waving my hand around i'm giving her another idea for a pick of the week (laughs) continue so my other pick of the week which jordan is gonna have to say the actual name of it but i call it a a saber a lightsaber i think she calls it a saber light because lightsaber saber light same thing nope not the same thing the lightsaber, which is formerly known as the Yang Nuyo YN360. But yeah, it's super lightweight, easy to transport, and can pretty much dial into any color under the sun. It's going to be great for holding, like lighting up things like details at a wedding, getting some good B roll shots of like the cake. And I also think it's going to be super helpful when getting dancing footage thinking I'm going to have my second shooter just kind of follow me around and we can light up certain people and parts of the dance floor and then shoot it and not have to maybe tote around the light on the stand, which is still not that hard, but I think it's going to be a little bit easier to have that mobile light that we can just whip out our lightsaber and rock the night. Yeah. I was thinking like somebody needs to market like a sheath for these things. You know, because how cool would that be? I was actually at Home Depot the other day, and they had this little, like, uh, 
it's made for like carpenters. It's just like this little thing you clip on your belt and it's got like a huge D ring on it for like sticking a hammer down there. So I was like, Ooh, that could be perfect for our lightsabers. So yeah. Pro tip. Home Depot has lightsaber sheaths. Cool. Are you going to buy us some? Do you want one of those? Yes, please. Okay. It's pretty cool. But you have to have a belt on. So I'm pretty sure I could attach it to my fanny pack. That's true. That's true. Well played. Well played, Taylor freaking Juarez. Taylor, thanks for joining me. Thanks to everybody who submitted questions. Oh, yeah. I forgot. We have exciting news. So I've been kind of alluding to this for a while. But if you are going to WPPI, we have a party planned for you. Oh my goodness, I am so excited for this. It's officially planned now. We are going to be at the Eye Candy Lounge at the Delano. Uh, I know that sounds like it could be a promiscuous place, but I promise you it is not. It is the Eye Candy Lounge at the Delano. The Delano is actually right next to, it's actually part of the same uh hotel chain as Mandalay Bay where the conference is. And so it's like basically on the same campus, but it's called the Delano named after one of our former presidents, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, Fun fact, but we are going to meet there on Tuesday night at seven o'clock. It's going to be the pre-party to the huge WPPI party where they have like this epic, DJ and dancing and it's just it's crazy so definitely you want to make sure to go to that but that doesn't start till 10 30 so at seven o'clock we're going to meet at the eye candy lounge and here is the awesome part Panasonic is hooking us up they're going to pay for one round of drinks for everybody so super awesome of Panasonic to hook us up and pay for a round of drinks which if you don't know like drinks sometimes at these places can be kind of pricey so they have put forward some money and we're going to have an awesome party and get it started with a free drink from Panasonic. Plus just lots of good time meeting, hanging out in person with other fellow wedding filmmakers. It's going to be an awesome time. I'm pumped. Also working on some merch ideas right now. So there may be some new merch being launched at WPPI. Academy merch. We got some pretty fun ideas for some t-shirts that we're working on that I think are going to be pretty awesome. Definitely inside joke material that probably mostly only wedding filmmakers are going to get the humor behind. But you're still going to want to wear this shirt because it's going to be freaking awesome. So definitely stay tuned for updates on all that stuff. Uh, That's all we got. If you haven't yet, make sure you go over to iTunes, hit five stars, give us a review. We also have officially launched our YouTube channel. So hop on over to youtube.com and look for the wedding film academy youtube channel we've only got a couple of things up there so far but you're going to want to check it out because it's going to be awesome and we're going to be putting a whole lot of content out after wppi as well so yeah go ahead and subscribe 
hit the bell so you get the notification when we post something. And we'll see you over there. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.